This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Welcome. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast show with Andrea Nellis. Our community is made up of so many amazing and diverse groups of people, as are the programs on Joy 94.9. There is something there for everyone. A little pot of joy is where we highlight just some of these amazing programs. We would like to show our respect and acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, of elders past and present of the Kulin Nation, whose land we are broadcasting from. We're opening the evening with a segment from Rise Up, Young Australian of the Year nominee. Margot Fink. Michelle D and Adam talked to Margot Fink, who's the communications manager for Minus 18. And Margot has also been nominated. She's a Victorian state finalist for the Young Australian of the Year Award, which is absolutely fantastic. I think that she does amazing work, as you'll hear in this. And, you know, it's just nice to get representation. Minus 18 is a movement of LGBTI young people creating change and supporting people like themselves, putting queer youth in the driver's seat, creating positive change. So if you just can't listen to the show live, you can download the podcast from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash rise up or from the iTunes store. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Rising up with Michelle D and Adam for your Wednesday breakfast. Michelle and D filling in for the lovely Virginia, who is still in the NYC of the USA. Oh, she's coming back, is she? Yeah, she's back on Friday morning. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> even <laughs> I've missed her. Come on. You lie. I do. Um, guys, we've got a very special guest in studio. It's always intimidating when someone so much more intelligent and younger mm-hmm. than know. us comes in studio. Uh, but we're really lucky. We're going to find out what it takes to become a finalist for the Young Australian of the Year Award, which is a huge, prestigious award here in Australia. And Margot Fink, uh, Minus 18's communications manager, is our Victorian State finalist. Welcome Yay. and congratulations. Welcome, Welcome Margot. You. Got a Thank little, you yeah, we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank what? you for having me. So, I mean, we were just talking off air. It must be such a huge thing to be uh, to be a finalist for such a great award. How, how does it how does it happen? How does it come about? It's actually really funny because I had no idea about this. A few people I, I volunteer and work with at minus eighteen had nominated me and not told me about it. So I was away um, on a family holiday, and suddenly I get a very cryptic text message. So I'm Suzanne from the Australia Day Council. Give me a call when you can. Um, and Did you go, who dis? Yeah, I was just yeah. like, what's happening? <laughs> um, but yeah, I found out I was nominated as a finalist and I was like, wow, that's, that's huge. That's amazing. Um, you know, in recognition of the, the work and activism I've done to support LGBTI young people. And, and that was just so cool. Yeah. Did, so, but for a little while you would have thought it was a prank and then you, you got across the line. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was kind of that moment of like, oh, no, I'm being messed with. Like, this is, this is not happening. <laughs> this could not. So how long have you worked with Minus 18? And just, just explain to us in a nutshell what it does. Um, so I guess Minus 18 is a, a movement of LGBTI young people creating change and supporting people like themselves. It's really cool to put um, queer youth in the driver's seat of creating positive change. And that's sort of Minus 18's core message. And I've done that with them for just over five years uh, as of this year. And this is really big because the advocacy for transgender rights in Australia is pretty, it's got a long way to go. And to be standing out as, you know, a young Australian who's transgender for this, this is, you know, as a fellow trans woman, that you know, I applaud you right now. <laughs> it's awesome. Thank you. I mean, I think the most thrilling thing for me 
is that I can use this as a platform to kind of reach more young people and reach more people in general and spread the messages of positivity um, that I have been doing. And, and something I found out, um, BuzzFeed wrote a bit of a feature on you know the awards this year and spoke a bit about me. And I didn't realize this, but a transgender person has never yeah. won the, the Young Australian Award. So if I can do that and help show you know young people that they can succeed and can you know reach great heights, um, I, you know I'd be incredibly honoured. It's massive. It's going to be like if you win this, and I think you will. Now I've said it; it has to happen. But even being nominated is such an honour, and and mm. I, I just it's going to be huge for Australia and for your community, particularly if mm. if um if you do win. But even if you don't, it's such a big deal. Well, we need more of a positive image. Uh, within our community, and I think there's just still so much negativity towards um, you know, you know, transgender folk that you know, something like this would just be, you know, amazing. And it's it for the world and everything. Can you tell us, Margot, just quickly about about your transformation, about your transitioning, just so, really quickly? Like I'm a, I don't want to pry too much, <laughs> really but you know, quickly. yeah. I guess um, a condensed version would be: I grew up feeling very isolated, very confused. I had no idea what trans was, and then when I finally did discover it, I I kind of got it from you know the Jerry Springer show, right? You know, people punching out their relatives. So a super kind of warped idea of what it meant. And it was only when I started seeing other trans people um, kind of breaking into the mainstream and really succeeding and, and being celebrated for who they were that I realised I could do it too. So that's why I'm pumped about this nomination. Because yeah. if I can use it to kind of do that for other young people and keep kind of growing that positivity. And like you said, you know, spreading more positive narratives. That, that's a really important thing. Now, for those that don't know, Minus 18 uh, is... As it says, minus 18, it's for the young'uns. It's for the young'uns who are coming to terms with themselves, their sexuality. And they put on every year the same-sex, gender-diverse formal for uh, kids that want a formal where they can actually be themselves and bring who they want to bring, which mm. is really cool. So we have to – it begs the question, um, tell us a little bit about your work at Minus 18 and perhaps what's coming up for the organisation this, uh, later this year. Yeah, so in my role, I, I kind of do a bit of everything, but you know, it's the nature of small um, organisations. My main role is all the creative work, all the comms work, all of the, the videos that we put out. Um, we do a lot of resources, just basic things of like Trans 101, um, how to you know access support services, really basic things, but um, very effective, very important, and they always get a big response because there just isn't enough, um, I guess, mainstream exposure to those issues. Uh, in terms of what we've got coming up, something I'm really excited about is for the first time ever this year we've run um, two uh, same-sex and diverse formals instead of one. And Ooh. our first ever event outside of Victoria, we're taking it to Adelaide. Um, you know, we're kind of bringing all that stuff over, having a bunch of volunteers carpooling and road tripping. Um, and we'll be running, a, you know, a huge formal in Adelaide for young people over there. That's pretty insane. Mm. I mean, that's amazingly insane. <laughs> yeah. Just I imagine just, it. I'm just trying to grasp a whole bunch of young people doing a car trip to Adelaide. That's going to be a road taffeta. trip and a half. <laughs> taffeta and tails. <laughs> I bet whenever I hear the term formal, I just it just freaks me out because I just remember, um, mm. you know, I'm over 18. I'll be honest <laughs> with you, Margo, but my school form, I mean, I, I took my cousin. So mm. I worry that if I was a sort of same sex gender neutral formal i'd still probably just have to take a girl cousin i don't know <laughs> sort of, no offense to my lovely cousins love yous but yeah yeah that's a great idea i mean if i cannot imagine how much my life would be different if i'd had the opportunity for something like that mm. i mean i think for uh, the reason that it came about in the first place was you know there were a lot of reports in the news um a few years ago when the idea came up because students were getting told you can't bring your partner to formal you know that's outrageous that's horrible and when we spoke to those young people, they weren't saying, you know, we want you to fight our schools, we want you to go to war. I mean, they totally thought it was unjust, but they just wanted to have a night to be themselves, to relax and to, you know, have that rite of passage that everyone gets. 
And to be able to provide that um, is so lovely. And, you know, walking into this event, you just see so many happy, comfortable young people just being themselves. And it's really quite unique. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I want to go to a formal like that. <laughs> yeah, that would be creepy. Um, <laughs> so head to minus18.org.au to get all the details. As uh, Margot just said, they're taking the same-sex formal on the road to Adelaide. Is that going to be during Feast later this year? Yes, it is. Uh, it'll be coming up on November the 13th. Oh, lock that into your diaries. Get across to Adelaide, young people. Take out some young Adelaideans. I love it. formal. I love it that I asked Margot in the short break we just had. I said, oh, so what, what date is the award? She's like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I guess so much going. If I was that age and somebody had nominated me for, well, let's say anything, I would have that date pretty much in my mind. But you think it's late October, maybe November? Yeah, it should be finding out at the end of the month. No, you just stay tuned. <laughs> to see if you're like Australia's, just stay tuned to see if you're like Australia's best young person. That's exactly you know. Well, you just can relax about that. You can find uh, Margot on Twitter, Margot underscore Fink. Uh, also, you have your own Facebook page as well, so they can search for you on Facebook. And and you know you'll probably see you know if she, if if she wins, there's going to be a huge probably a banner. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know she is the communications manager of minus eighteen. She can divvy up some cool graphic yeah. design and video. <laughs> or, we'll, or we'll just we'll just start randomly texting her going, "You won." Yeah. yeah, who dis? Well, we'll start. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll start texting from tomorrow. You won just in preparation. Um, thank you so much for coming in, Margot, and good luck. We, we're 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 you know keeping everything crossed, and we hope that you become our next Young Australian of the Year. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Congrats. You're on Joy ninety four point nine in this little pot of joy with Andrea and Alice. Up next, from Madlib to Fade, witches, wizards, and warlocks. With Halloween, All Saints Day, and Day of the Dead twenty fifteen upon us. This show looks at the portrayals of witches, wizards and warlocks in popular culture, including Camp and Bazaar. And if you haven't listened to it before, Adlib to Fade is an amazing program. It's actually a soundscape program that Greg and his new collaborator, Ross, put together every week. And each hour is like a complete work of art, which is why we haven't had it on the show before, because we're actually terrified, even though we love it, we're terrified to cut this up, this this hour that they create. Um, so what we've done here is just take basically the first 10 minutes of the show almost entirely unedited to give you an idea of what Adlib to Fate is all about and then you can go and listen to the entire show. You can listen to the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website joy.org.au forward slash Adlib to Fade or download it from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Welcome to Adlibs of Fade on Joy 94.9. I'm Greg, and for the next hour, I'll be bringing you a soundscape, picking up the Halloween theme, sort of the camp, bizarre end of witches, wizards, and warlocks. Adlibs of Fade.
smaller and people were taller. I realized that I was different. I had a power that set me apart. I learned to take it, to use it, to make it. It's not so bad to be different, to do your own thing and do it with heart. First I'd wonder what hex I was under What did I do to be so different Then I discovered some others like me Wonder no longer, together we're stronger It's not so bad to be different Be true to yourself, that's what you must be Among the top 40 at the moment is the song Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead, which of course is from the film The Wizard of Oz. And the question is, should the BBC play it on Sunday morning or not? On Wednesday, it's Margaret Thatcher's funeral. I think the quick answer is it's, it's not that easy
no miracles. What happened was just this. still one step ahead of you. I still believe in the R&R dream. R&R as primal scream. Tied to the Puritan ethic. Non-sympathetic spastics. After all, they're still a lonely bastard. Eggheads, boneheads, cute. Cute for them. We were early and we were late, but still. Live at the witch trials! everyone this witch hunt is turning into a circus she's the witch yeah she's the witch i was just about to accuse her this is crazy i'm not a witch ha! then how come your laundry is always much whiter than mine oh i've heard enough burner Enjoy 94.9 and this is a little pot of joy with Andrea and Alice. Up next, a podcast from Driving You Mad, Driving You Crazy, Melbourne Music Week, coming soon. More music than you can poke a stick at. That's Melbourne Music Week. Over eight days from the 13th of November through to the 20th, more than 100 events, half of which are free, which will take place in a day and night in Melbourne's live music venues, on the streets, in laneways and other unique spaces in the city. David and Sue chat with Councillor Rohan Lepert, the Chair of Arts Melbourne. And you can download the entire podcast from the Joy website, joy.org.au, or from the iTunes store. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. David and Sue driving you home, driving you mad, driving you crazy. Sue, we have a guest in the studio. Who is it? Well, let me just do a little bit of a pre-whatever that word is. Right. I know you're not really that cultured. Right. So I'm here to, to, okay. to help you. So I brought in Rohan Leppert. Now, right. you're never going to guess who he do- what he does. What does he do, Susan? He's the chair of the Art and Culture for Melbourne Music Week, which is, of course, the 13th to the 20th of November. So we're going to hear all 
all about. Right, but I think he's actually arts, That's what it says. arts and culture for the city of Melbourne. It says Melbourne Music Week. Right, but but he's involved in music. Nobody likes a smart-ass, David. <laughs> Hello. I'm happy with a longer title than I'm used to. That's fine. Hello. Hello. Don't, just ignore David and just tell us <laughs> what, now, now, what this is all about. So the music, you know, like music week is, what, been going for f- six or seven years? Uh, this is our fifth year, actually, right? Um, and it's getting bigger and better than ever. So it's, every it's November, awesome. yep. uh, the city of Melbourne puts on this festival, which is a celebration of the music industry and predominantly Melbourne and Victorian artists. So it's yeah. a fantastic celebration of everything Melbourne music. Now, the the, the good thing about this is it's you know, when you, when you say music, there's so many different forms of music these days, but it's, it's more popular music, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. It's not the full range of music. The, we don't have any uh, opera or symphonies in this. This is very much targeted at a, a younger audience, but it really showcases where Melbourne and Victorian music industry is at at the moment. So right. it's 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 emerging. It's cutting edge. It's all new music in Victoria. So. Because um, there are so many people that move to Melbourne. Uh, because of the music industry, don't they? You know, like uh, for indie bands and rock bands and whatever. It's a real mecca, Melbourne, for the music industry in Australia. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it's fantastic that there's now this festival. That's right. Look, Council quite a few years ago um, thought that it needed to do more to understand what the Melbourne music industry was all about and to uh, help celebrate everything that's good about the Melbourne music industry. And so the thing that's unique about this festival. Uh, unlike other music festivals that are also, you know, popular and play a really important part in the Melbourne calendar, is that this one directly supports the industry. So all of the tickets that you buy for this festival, uh, most of the cash will go straight back to the artists or the producers or the venues. Uh, It's not a moneymaker for council. It's a celebration of everything that's good about music in Melbourne. And as we know, this is the best city in Australia for music. Oh, look, he's another Melbourne aficionado. Yeah, well, you're learning something here, Sue, aren't you? Yes, that he's not a real estate agent and asking him about people moving to Melbourne. Really not applicable. Uh, so it's, you know, like, it's not just going to see a band or electronic artist or whatever. There, there are forums. and Absolutely. There's, there's quite a few industry forums which will be of interest to many people. But um, the concerts really are a centrepiece. But there are 40 locations across the city that are going to have Music Week events. Right. There, uh, but there's one interesting, uh, which I saw a, a billboard today for it, which is The Hub. The main hub, which Absolutely. is... Absolutely. Um, some might remember uh, that hubs in previous years. So every year we try and do something really unusual, really different, very Melbourne. I hesitate to use the word grungy, but a bit grungy. And this year the hub is going to be underneath the old Royal Women's Hospital in Carlton. Um, there's the old ballroom under there. Ballroom is a bit of a... Uh, a stretch of uh, the description, but it is a fantastic space. And our sound technicians have been down there uh, and it's going to be a fantastic concert venue. Right. That sounds cool, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, because I can remember about oh, three or four years ago, I was down on the Yarra and there was all containers and, and it was an incredible hub that, that year. It was so so uniquely different and, and something that you'd expect the you know the music industry to, to deliver. Absolutely. And it's... To be honest, it's getting tough to keep coming up with uh, these fantastically original ideas each and every year. But I think this year in particular, uh, the Melbourne Music Week team's done a remarkable job. Right. 
So well, how do you get the my turn? Yeah, go on. How do you get the artists? How do you choose? I mean, you must get so many artists applying to be part of it. We have an expression of interest program which is open to everyone, whether that's artists or producers or venues, and any idea that's a good idea, our team will pursue it throughout the year. So that that's an ongoing expression of interest program. But uh, once a year, we do open that up generally and uh, try and seek the best ideas out there, uh, and then we develop that program with the venues or the artists or the producers and uh, get them on board. I'm really proud that again, this year, 75% of the artists in Music Week are going to be uh, Victorian. Fantastic. And a lot of, lot of the, the gigs are album launches or you know, like CD launches per se, aren't they? For for a band or yes, a, an yes. artist, yep. yeah. So you know, like they're showcasing their their new album for the first time. Absolutely, no. There's there's lots of exciting events like that. I don't have the full list in front of me. If I brought that with me, I'd be bringing a book. But have a look on the website. Is the thing I can encourage everyone to do. The program is pretty enormous, and quite a few shows are already sold out. Actually, so right. take a look. Well, it'd be popular, wouldn't it? And yeah. people want to. People get a bit sick of the same sort of stuff, so they want to hear something new. Go somewhere new. Yeah. Well, if you want to do that, I'd feel- really recommend yeah. something like the live music safari which just keeps going from strength to strength so the backbone of melbourne's music industry really is its live music venues that's what makes us a great music city so the live music safari is a free night it's on the thursday during the week uh, you go from venue to venue to venue and you can hear something different at each venue and you can experience something you've never experienced before and i'm yet to meet someone who hasn't come away from that with a completely new experience and who's loved it okay so so therefore you buy one ticket and get you into different venues used to see different uh, styles of um, artists. Uh, yeah, there's a few different ways you can approach it, but um, all the details, again, are online. I don't know the exact answer to that question, I confess. <laughs> all right, so how do, how do you find out more? You know, what's the website? You can tell us the website. I can definitely do that. So melbourne.vic.gov.au forward slash... MMW, so that stands for Melbourne Music Week. Anything and everything you ever wanted to know is all on there. Now, we've also linked that page onto David and Sue Joy Drive Facebook, so if you want to check that out, it's also there. Yep. And is there any other, you know, like the Safari sounds fantastic. Have you got something else that you you want to throw at us? Oh, look, definitely have a look at some of the hub shows, but I'm really looking forward to Brian Jonetown Massacre at the with the Grand Organ at Melbourne Town Hall. And that's uh, going to be awesome. And I reckon that that's possibly sold out if it's not quite sold out anyway. Maybe I shouldn't recommend one that's sold out, but... I'll be there with bells on. Yeah, uh, because yeah, well, he's uh, th- that's an international act, but you know, like um, in really Melbourne, though, in Melbourne, right. and done that's in right. a really interesting, um, uh, you know, like venue, of course, Melbourne Town Hall, on the looking, organ, on on the organ, on David. the organ. <laughs> David's not allowed to play with the organ. All right. So, anything else? Any, any other highlights that you want to talk about? I, I will also mention that just before Music Week, we've got the inaugural Melbourne Music Symposium. Now, that's not open to everyone. I think that's already uh, sold out as well. That's mostly invite. But the reason I'm mentioning that is that we've really stepped up this year to analyse, I think, everything that makes the Melbourne music industry tick. And we've Mm. got guests from global cities across the world uh, who are going to come and help government make better decisions for the music industry in future. That's that's the real message, I think, that I've always wanted from the start of this, is that government needs to do a better job of understanding the real asset we've got here in Melbourne, which is uh, Australia's best music industry Uh, and how we can support it in the future. And and the, the other good thing is that the age gets involved with doing the awards night as well, don't they? 
Absolutely, yeah. So Music Victoria Awards are going to be a few days before the, the week, I think. It's a really busy time of year. There's also Ormi and uh, Face the Music and so a whole lot of those industry conferences, they all come together at this time of year. So we're going to have guests from all around the world and we're really building together that collection of fantastic music events. Sounds cool. Alright, so what, what's that website again? melbourne.vic.gov.au slash MMW. Okay. Thanks, Rohan. Thanks yep. for letting Thank us you. know all about that. That's fantastic. You're listening to Joy 94.9. This is a little pot of joy with Andrea and Alice. Coming up next, a segment from Well, 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 Mental Health in the LGBTI Community. Jesse and Carlos are joined by VAC counsellor Guy Campbell as an important follow-up to Mental Health Week. Together they discuss strategies available services in response to anxiety and depression in our community, including Calming Anxiety Group. And you can listen to the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash well, 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 or download it from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Joy, hello and good afternoon. This is Well, 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 brought to you live every Tuesday from midday by the Victorian AIDS Council. My name is Jessie and I'm here with my co-host today, Carlos. And this week we have got Guy Campbell from the Victorian AIDS Council, our very own Guy. Welcome, Guy. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me on to talk about mental health. Oh, absolutely. It's so good to have a little bit of an internal expertise that we can pick your brain about. So thanks for coming in today. Yeah. So, Guy, look, mental health is something that probably doesn't get as much attention as your overall health. Probably because there's no immediate physical symptoms, you will say. Yeah. So depression and anxiety are terms that usually get used, but what can you tell us about it? Yeah, sure. So depression and anxiety are two of the most common mental health problems um, that people experience. Um, And I might start with depression first of all. So I guess um, the most important point is that depression is more than just sadness. Um, It's a range of kind of mental health and physical health symptoms that can include sadness but doesn't have to include sadness. So people often experience a range of symptoms including um, they might lose the ability to enjoy things that they'd normally enjoy so they, they find it hard to experience pleasure. They might notice changes in sleep and appetite and other sort of aspects of their physical health as well. And what you often notice broadly is that people start to withdraw from their lives so that they might find it harder to see friends and go to work and that sort of thing. So gradually they just stop doing the things that they used to be doing. So they get a little bit isolated. They get isolated, yeah, and that sort of contributes to the feelings of depression. So it kind of becomes a bit of a cycle like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, um, you mentioned sadness a few Mm. times, do you think that it is almost mistaken that depression is sadness and sadness is depression and if you don't have one then you don't have the other and people associate it together and maybe don't realize what's yeah, going on absolutely and one of the things that you that often people with depression experience is that they actually can't feel sad they actually feel nothing right so yeah. it's it's quite it's, almost numb yeah a numbness rather than mm. a sadness okay so with anxiety, anxiety for, is something that we all experience um, at different points in our, our lives and it's yeah. sort of healthy to experience some level of anxiety because it mm. lets us know to, you know, we're alive. <laughs> so, yeah, that we're alive and we're here. Yeah, yeah we're absolutely. human. <laughs> but for some people, that the level of stress and worry in their lives becomes so high that, again, it's kind of stopping them doing the things that they would normally be doing in their lives. So, so like you'd say, it was like affecting your everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. it might make it hard to kind of go to work, to mm. make a phone call, to call someone, to see friends. Mm. And people often notice that literally the only things in their in their mind are things regarding worry also they might feel physically tense they might have trouble sleeping 
trouble eating, those sorts of things as well. So again, it's a mixture of kind of mental health and physical symptoms. Yeah, yeah. cool. In terms of anxiety, what symptoms like physical can, can you actually get? If, if I think about, you know, I'm feeling a little bit nervous in my stomach right now because yeah. I'm on the radio. Okay. <laughs> but if, if I was having ongoing difficulties with anxiety, I make, might wake up feeling nauseous, for example, or I might ha- always have a tension in my shoulders or a tension in my jaw. Mm. I might have difficulty falling asleep Yeah, is, is one thing, and I might wake up a lot in the night and those sorts of things as well. Yeah. Mm. I definitely, I've even personally experienced not so much anxiety, but just the fact that something something that's going on in your head could actually manifest physically as symptoms. And a couple months ago, when I was just feeling like just quite stressed out and like, you know, there's a lot of work going on, I was starting to get really bad back problems. And it was kind of manifesting like as a back, but I never had an actual injury. But it was, you know, affecting my everyday and stuff like that. So that yeah, was quite we, a... We really can experience stress physically. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Mm. So that was, um, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> so in the GLBT community, the episodes of anxiety and depression, would you say they're higher than in the regular community and why? Yeah, sadly, they are much higher. And I've, I've got some data. It's a bit, a bit old, um, this data, but it, it's kind of representative of where stuff is at now. So if we think of the general population, maybe 7% of people will experience a depressive episode in a year. Yep. And that's just depression. Depression, yeah, okay. just depression. Yeah. But for example... Sorry, can I just go back to that? What do yeah. you mean by depressive episode? So that might be what a period, would... one period of depression in okay. a year, so a certain number of weeks or months. Okay, so yeah. it, can it last anywhere from like a day to a couple of weeks or is it more like a long term? I think you'd start thinking if it's over a couple of weeks. I've I've lost the the actual details of the the actual criteria, but probably over more than a couple of weeks Mm. and then anything up to, say, a few months, for example. Okay. More more than a few days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 7% of the general population um, are likely to experience a depressive episode, but for trans people, that's 35%, which is a much higher figure. Mm. Um, For gay, lesbian and bisexual people, it's around 25%. And with anxiety, more than twice as many LGBTI people experience anxiety than do heterosexual people. Okay. So again, that's much higher. Could you say there was any kind of relation to suicidality amongst the population at all? Suicidality is also much higher. Yeah. Um, And I I don't have the exact figures on me, but in terms of a a report that was released a few years ago, suicidality among the GLBTI community is one of the highest rates of any population in Australia. Okay. Yeah, so it's yeah. A, ver- a very big, serious issue. Yeah, absolutely. So why do you think the GLBTI population suffer from higher rates of mental health issues than the general population? Well, I think it's, in, it's important to point out that it's nothing to do with actually anything to do with being trans or lesbian, gay um, or intersex. It's to do with the experiences of discrimination and trauma that people experience, yeah. um, particularly in their early childhood and, and that kind of key developmental period when you're kind of working out your place in the world. Yeah. Because if you think about the levels of fear and dread and kind of anxiety that people experience around sort of coming out issues, for example, that can linger in later life. And, yeah. and sort of if you think of the foundations of mental health can be sort of set in childhood, yeah. um, it makes sense that people are going to have experienced these issues in later life. Sure. And have you seen this quite apparent in any cases that you've seen that it is 
associated with what they've been through in childhood. Yeah, it, it often um, people won't necessarily make those connections at the time. But then yeah. when you start exploring these sorts of things in the context of counselling, often people kind of start to notice that, well, you know, I... As a child, I kind of learned to fear what people would think of me because I was concerned about how I came across and, and sure. the possibility of um, discrimination and, and hostility. And that, that actually, even though I've kind of made it through the kind of journey of coming out and all that sort of thing, I've still got a lot of that anxiety lingering around. Sure. Yeah. So, so often those connections are kind of, they come out in the context of counselling. If an individual notices, you know, any of those symptoms you mentioned or whether it's in a close friend or a family, what advice would you give them? I guess if, it, if it's someone noticing these things in themselves, I think the main advice I, w- I would give is that help is available. There, yeah. there's, there's lots of help available and often all someone needs to do is just have a chat with their GP, for example, to get linked in with, with services. In terms of friends or family members who might notice these changes in a, a relative or a loved one, I think the advice I would give is to just be ready to sort of listen and, and try and understand where they're at. It's just mm. sort of trying to open up those channels of communication so if people feel comfortable kind of sharing their vulnerability. Yeah, because um, it's you. always yeah. hard if, you know, that kind of position you're in, if you're seeing a friend who's in need, you they're never going mm. to want you coming in blazing glory, mm. trying to make an intervention or kind yeah. of like, it's really hard to actually start that yeah. initial conversation, isn't it? And, and often I think if we see something happening in someone we love, we feel a pressure that we want to fix things, we mm. want to make yeah. it better. Yeah. Yeah. But actually people often just want someone to listen yeah. and and. Um, for someone to kind of make it clear that it's okay that you're feeling like this. We, we, we don't want you to in mm. terms of we want you to feel better, but we're not judging you. Yeah. yeah. So just making sure that that sort of lack of judgment is really clear. And, and I, I think something more broadly is that the more we can talk about our own experiences um, that people have with um, anxiety and depression, for example, in, in broader society, the easier it is for people to feel like it's okay to reach out and get help. So I just think having that openness is really important. And then if people are wanting help, again, sort of it might be useful to be able to provide some sort of practical ideas around, you know, touching base with a GP, um, thinking about the different services available, which you might talk about a bit later as well, and, and just being clear that there is help out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when it comes to help, um, there is a group, the Calming Anxiety Group, what is this about? Yes, the, the Calming Anxiety Group is a group that will be running in the VAC counselling service in the next few months. And this is a, um, it's a therapeutic group that's designed to be a, a kind of a, a space where people can talk about their own experiences of anxiety with other LGBTI people. And also having a focus on helping people develop, I guess, tools and, and, and strategies to manage their anxiety in a way that they can kind of help manage it in terms of it not kind of getting in the way of their lives. Yeah. yeah. And is this a mixed open group or is it is there men and women separate? Or? It's mixed. So anyone yeah. who is identifies LGBTI is, yeah. is welcome. You don't need a diagnosis of anxiety from yeah. a psychologist or a GP just to have had experience. And if anyone's interested, they can contact the VAC counselling service. And cool. we're very excited to be running it in the next few months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they can call in or even come in personally and get more information about that. Yeah, yeah? first step would be to contact our duty worker at the VAC yep. counselling service. The number is 98656700. Yep, um, so that number again was... <laughs> 98656700. Great. Just touch base with our lovely duty worker yep. and, and um, they can provide more info. 
You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy on Joy 94.9 with Alice and Andrea. Another amazing night with so many diverse and interesting podcasts. And you can find more of the complete podcasts on the Joy website, joy.org.au, or download them for free from the iTunes store. You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. See joy.org.au and click on our podcast link to subscribe to your favorite podcasts free. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organization, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.